Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Friday, April 22nd, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Dan Petru. And I'm Ty Anderson. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. At least you better be watching it, or else you're having some kind of weird dream that you're watching it. Um, this is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at 1 o'clock, roughly Eastern Time, um, or, you know, 1.13, but somewhere in there. Um, and Or Central Time or Mountain Time. Or... Yeah, yeah, but, but the great thing about the Internet is you don't have to watch it at that moment in time, you know. And, then, you know, I was... I was just talking to my daughter about this last night real quick. I and mean, we were talking about this this show called the called um Daddy Something, Daddy Baby, Baby Daddy, Daddy Baby. Um it, it's this weird show. It's it's got a hockey player on it. That's why I bring it up. It's got like a guy who um I'll find the name of it before the end of the thing. But it's there's a guy no, I think who, said baby I think you said baby daddy. Baby daddy. Baby daddy. Alright. Um and she watches it on Netflix. Um and it's got a hockey like one of the players is a is a professional hockey player for the New York Rangers, like one of the actors. Like he lives with his brother, but he's a professional hockey player for the Rangers. And they had the stupidest episode yesterday. I had to vent on this, okay? All right, so his mom is his agent, okay? And they're going to negotiate with the Rangers, okay, for his new contract. And this guy is like, it's as if, you know, what was that guy um, on that on Who Saved by the Bell that was so horrible? Screech? Yes. It's as, it's as if you made Screech a professional hockey player that is that much of an idiot, okay? He's just an absolute idiot. So he's in there, and his mom, who calls him his momager, comes in there, and he's 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 she's negotiating with the Rangers GM, who is the first female GM in National Hockey League okay. history. Could you please just stop right there? No, 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 I can't because it's just so it's just implausible. I know. Well, no, 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 no. That's not impossible. We could have a female. Come on, come on. No, 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 no. I'm not saying because of that. I'm just saying the. I mom. know the whole thing is crazy, but let me. Yeah, let me so, so she's sitting down in negotiations, and this, of course, is what I cover. I cover these kind of things, so I'm always talking to people. And his best friend is pretending to be a reporter to like hype the thing up, and he's and so then the GM hits on his best friend. <laughs> this whole thing is like oh, it's insane. It's just it's like that's that's what's wrong is not that you have a female GM, but that you would have you would actually go to the link to have a female African American GM as the Rangers GM, and then have her hit on someone yeah, who's okay. a friend of this hockey player. It's just like so the mom says finally says says you know what. If you don't like my son's, um, which you never, of course, to say because is a regret, you know, if you don't like my son's play, I have, I'm gonna have a conversation this afternoon with the Islanders. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, uh, hey, how good is, is he? A top six forward? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know because the only time they ever show yeah. him on the ice, he's usually in the penalty box or on the bench, yeah, and they show, and they show, and they actually, he's actually having a conversation no, with his brother. So it's, but if he's it's, Russian, he's probably prone to concussions, right, Dan? Right. Oh, come on. Baby Daddy, check it out on a Netflix near you. Yeah, don't watch it, please. No. Brain, brain cells. cells. It's so horrible. Um, anyway, and it, it, the depiction of the NHL is just crazy. I, I love when the NHL's in things like this, but ugh. All right, let's start the show. Um, <laughs> we, I don't think there's anywhere we can start, but the reason that I slept till 9.30 today in the morning you know, which is super late for me, and I know, Mike, you texted me at, at like 9 o'clock, which I know is really late for you, because you usually text me at 7 in the morning, um, 
about you know. I, I was up. I, I was up at seven thirty, but I figured you'd be asleep asleep till nine, so I just waited. I did not see the goal. Like I woke up, I, I was trying to make it through the the game, you know, the game, the game, and I and I was like, wow, this is a. It was a really good game, obviously. Um, and but then I woke up just as the celebration was going on. The celebration like woke me, and then I got to see the you know the goal immediately after. But what a um. What a crazy friggin' play by Patrick Well, well f first of all, we have to blame the Blackhawks for basically trying to go into the Peterborough freeze at the end, at the beginning of the third period for being in double overtime because if they had just continued to play the way they had, although, you know, the Blues did carry the play to them. Yeah, that's good. They would have played, played a little more than just playing in a defensive shell and throwing the puck out. They probably would have won it in regulation, but they didn't. They sat back. They allowed St. Louis to bring the attack to them. The Fabry uh, goal made it 3-2, then they tie it up on a nice deflection. And I thought St. Louis, for most of the first overtime, dominated the play. Yeah. But, you know, this is the thing. Chicago is a resilient team. And now, you know, you had the knife at their throat. You let them go. You gave them another life. They go back to Chicago for game six. I think it's going seven games. Hmm. Oof. If it goes seven games, I, you can write the Blues epitaph because, like, I just they Blues have to win Game Six because then the pressure builds and it becomes the same old story. Yeah, maybe the same old narrative. Game Six. The thing is, they played good last night. They really did. Yeah. So it's like they threw everything they had at the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks still came away with the win. They gotta close this out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it really does come back to this whole, you know, if you if you don't kill them when you have that second, you have that chance, and they had tons of chances, especially in overtime, the first overtime. It comes back to haunt you every time. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I look at this, and I, I really wonder, uh, you know, I thought this was the Blues' best chance to eliminate them. Now you're going to the Madhouse on Madison. Always tough to eliminate a team there. Uh, it's just there's a different energy in that building, I think. Especially Saturday night in Chicago. I mean, it's going to be bumping. I don't, I really don't know. I think this does come back to St. Louis, and it's sort of all bets are off in that in that scenario. Yeah, Ty's been listening to its cat scratch fever. Yeah, um, but, 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 no, no, okay. go, go ahead. Actually. No, I think I think I I complete. I mean, the one thing that the really the worst part of this overtime is that Patrick Kane came to life. Like that's like the worst part of this. Like that patch because Patrick Kane has been dead, right? And he Patrick Kane is Mr. Playoffs. I mean, he we all talked about he had the great. He was the best player in the NHL this year. But we always say that the reason you have Patrick Kane on your team is so you have him in the playoffs. He's not if he if he can if he can take his best player in the NHL status and lift it to the level of playoff player, you're done. You know. And this goal last night was that. I mean, to make that move. In the second overtime, when you played like 45 minutes already, yeah. you know, and to make that move, and then and then to have the wherewithal, and it just it was a real comp, a, unfortunate stuff, like where you know, Elliot Stick is stepped on by Peter Angelo, so so he can't get across, you know, and Elliot of course thinks that this is the other player, but when you look at it, Peter Peter Angelo stepped on Elliot Stick. Now Elliot shouldn't have had his stick flat like that, you know, but he was looking to the poke check, the other direction, so you have a whole different thing, and it was just a, a slew of things that went wrong. Well, but, um, we as were, much as I've defended Elliot and think Elliot is a great, you know, and I know you, you guys were, you and Russ were giving me a hard time on texting last night, being, oh, you know, this is, I, I still think Elliot's played an incredible series, and I still think Elliot's the guy to go with. Well, uh, but I did sense a real nervousness in Elliot last night as the game, as, as he got late in the game. It was definite, he was jumpy. 
and as I said in the text, the real Brian Elliott has finally shown up. Because that's not the real Brian Elliott. That's, that's not Brian fair. Elliott. That's not fair, Mike. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, he's played great up till last game, and then last game, the Elliott that has shown himself in previous playoff series reared its ugly head. I'm not saying that that you know that, that may be a, a small window, and he may go right go back to the the goaltender who was responsible for them being up three to one, but he didn't play very well last night. I mean, in the overtime, in in the third period, he didn't have a lot of shots to face you know, because Chicago was playing defensive, but when Chicago was applying pressure, intermittent pressure, he, he didn't come up big. And the thing is, look at scored the goals. Panarin scored. Hosa in the shorthanded. And then Kane. Yeah, I mean, these the, are guys we, the guys that we said that needed to score did. The big guys came up big yeah, at the time they needed. They were good goals. I mean, they weren't like... I mean, I, I, I do not, I mean, if it wasn't for Elliot, you know, I mean, the first couple games, I mean, we're all Elliot. He, um, you know, he's been, he's been totally different. The old Brian Elliot let in very bad goals. He has not been letting in bad goals, okay? This, well, I don't think the, the Hosa one was exactly, I mean. So this is, this is like, I've, I've compared before Ty. Like, I've compared Elliot to Tim Thomas in some ways where he's a guy who didn't get any respect at all for years and was always thrown on the back burner as the backup goalie, and I think that this is his chance. And I think, the, but the nervousness, that, that's real. I mean, and, and you're playing against Chicago, it's understandable to a degree, but the problem is, and I don't think he, I don't think he even gave up any goals because he was nervous at all. I don't think that was the case. I just think that, you know, are you seeing that, Ty? I mean, yes and no. I, I watched, when I watched last night's game in overtime, I really felt that the Blues as a whole were shaky in their own end. I felt that as soon as the puck went over that, went over the center ice line, it became really messy in terms of where, where the Blues were going. Typically a forward caught up and, and blocked a shot and, and really kept the kept the Blackhawks from getting anything. But I felt that their D-zone game was a little bit messier than I think you're accustomed to. And that was weird because Chicago waited, I think, almost eight minutes into that first overtime before they got their first shot on goal. So that was definitely different. And I felt that I feel that when a goaltender has to sort of look around him at all angles, he does get a little jittery. And I thought yeah. I saw a little bit of that last night. I don't know if it's the old Brian Elliott. I mean, the old Brian Elliott for me lets in five goals. I remember him with the <laughs> Ottawa Senators when he had a 8.90 save percentage. So I don't know if he's the old one exactly, uh, but I do think that uh, it, it's tougher when you are under siege like they were at certain points throughout that overtime. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I was just saying, you know, if if you're a team like the San Jose Sharks, you got to be taking notes, and you got to say, boys, we cannot let what happened last night to the Blues happen to us tonight. We have a chance to bury the King, and you got you got to do it. You have to beat yeah. those teams. You can't give them hope. That's the thing. The Blackhawks have hope now, and you cannot give a team of that pedigree and a team with that resume any kind of hope. Well, far be it for me to criticize Joel Quenville, but why in the hell do you put David Runblad in the lineup if you're going to play him 12 minutes and play him like six seconds in overtime? I, I get playing Keith and Seabrook and Yarmolson over and over and play them 30-plus minutes. That makes sense. That goes goes back to, to last year. But if you have no confidence in David Runblad, Runblad to play him 12 minutes – Put Christian Erhoff in there. Put another. Yeah. You have options. You don't yeah. have to put Runblad, who you clearly don't trust. So I, I, I didn't get that. Well, this is what he did last year. Does my microphone sound okay? By the way, it's, it does. Yeah, sound okay. All right, good. Um, the um, 
Yeah, I mean, this is what he did last year. This is no different. I mean, we saw we saw this a lot last year. Rich Rumblad, he would play Rumblad a few minutes, or you know, he like we've seen when he's when the pressure's on and the pressure's obviously on now. You can be eliminated if you don't win the game. He's gonna go to he's gonna go to a very very few defensemen. But he has options, Act. I mean, he he has more options than he did last year. I mean, he still yeah. doesn't trust them as much as he's he only has he has a certain level of trust with certain guys, and that's it. Right, he doesn't trust them. But still. It's well, kind of it's still kind of incredible that they flip Skidari for Erhoff and they're not using Erhoff. There's like know. six teams in the playoffs right now that would use Erhoff. Yep. Yeah, I don't understand not using Erhoff myself. And Erhoff actually has played in the playoffs before. He's got he's got. Um, I mean, he was in that. He was really good in that Vancouver Boston final. I remember that really well. I, mean, I know his speed has dropped off, but when you know when I mean last year. You know, you could. I mean, it was it was it, when when they played Runblad, he barely broke ten minutes, and that's what I'm saying. It's like if you, right. I know that the level of trust there is more for Keith and Seabrook and Yarmolson and Van Riemsdyk. I get I get that, and even more Gustafson than than the, the other guys. But when it comes down to a, a situation on the road, when you want to play somebody for ten, twelve minutes, last year they played Kimo Timonen and Kyle Kamiski. This year they should be playing Erhoff, and he played. Plops Runblad in there. It was just puzzling. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. I do not know. Um, yeah, it's just tough to. I think when you're in overtime, double overtime, you do have a pattern, I guess, and, and the shifts become shorter, and uh, you, you want to go with your top guys more than your depth guys. It's understandable, but at a certain point, it catches up to you. And we know the Blackhawks have played four rounds every other year now since since. Uh, 2000, basically since 2010 now. So a lot right. of these, these core players, a lot of miles, and especially in these past three seasons. So at a certain point, you have to find a way to get a Runblad in or, or Gustafsson in or, or an Erhoff back in the lineup. I mean, you just have to do it. And I mean, it's something that he's... I understand why he's a little bit hesitant to do it, but if he doesn't, this might come back and be the reason why they, they lose a Game 6 you know, or Game 7 in overtime against the Blues in the first round. And he just... There needs to be some rest for some of these guys at a certain point. You're clearly not going to get it in this series because if you win it, you need to win it in seven. In your next round, unless you get Minnesota, I don't think it's going to be an easy round either. So they need to find a way to get some rest and get some trust in some other guys. The problem is they don't, they can't lose another game, so it's very well, hard to do that. He also shuffled the forward lines because they put Kane and Taves together, which they never do. But now right. going back to Chicago, when they have the the, the, the late, you know, they have the the change. They'll probably break up Taves and Kane and put Kane back with uh, with Panarin. So I mean, there's some flexibility here, and I'll bet you anything that they won't play Runblad at home because they can control the minutes and and essentially, if they want to put in Erhoff, they can control who he's facing on the other team. Let's go to um. So the Detroit Red Wings are no more in the playoffs. We are down to we are down to you know we're down one less team. <laughs> 15 teams now. Um, 15 teams. I'm sorry. Been a long night. Um, so we have 15 teams now. The Red Wings. I mean, are, it's not really that surprising. It is the second year in a row, oddly enough, that they were eliminated um, one nothing by in, in their final game, which is you know, which is the shows that Tampa still can play either way, and that's a good kind of a good thing. Tampa can Tampa can score on you, or Tampa can play a low scoring game on you, um, and they can do either, which is still is which is impressive, I think. I mean, but it also, but it also shows. I mean, I mean, I will give the the Red Wings credit for continuing their long streak of of playoff, uh, making the playoffs. But this team is nowhere close to being a, cont a t contender. But I mean, they they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, 
But they need an influx of youth, and they have it, but they're scared to use it. Like, look at their fourth line. Look who they're not dressing. It's like they keep hanging on to guys who are probably three, four, five years past their prime, and they're scared to give minutes to, to some kids who, who absolutely deserve it, like uh, Anaseyu. Uh, Mantha was okay in limited minutes towards the end of the season. It's like yeah. you got to – you got if you have these kids at some point, and you trust Larkin – you trust Larkin as a 19-year-old. Give some of these other kids and see what they can do because in limited minutes they've played well. At, at some point you have to stop hanging on to the past. And what's the big – you know, yeah, it's great that they've made the playoffs uh, every year for, for, for God knows how long. But even Datsuk said himself, we don't – we don't care about the streak. We're not just trying to make the playoffs. We're trying to win the Stanley Cup, and that team does yeah. not look like a Stanley Cup contender. And, and the only thing is, I mean, Dan, to, to that point, the only way that like they wouldn't have brought back Datsuk is by him walking away and saying, I'm oh, yeah. going. I mean, they would have welcomed him back with open arms next year. You know, but and he's clearly, I mean, he's a great player. He's a Hall of Fame player, but he's clearly – you know, not the same player he was three or four years ago. Same thing for Zetterberg. He's a he's a great player, but he can't carry the ball anymore. And no, they, they do have a lot of players. You know, they're I think they're weak on defense. Yep. I think they're weak up the middle now. But Larkin is a is a great young prospect, and I think his role's got to got to change. And honestly, the this series proved that they're weak in goal because yes. Morazic and Howard didn't do anything. So there's a lot of work that Kenny Holland needs to do. Yeah, I mean, I I think though, like we said before, the three teams that were fighting for the final playoff spot—Boston, Detroit, Philly—are all really teams in a rebuild that made the playoffs. You know, like they really are. And the fact is that there's teams that go into rebuilds that that don't compete at all, and then right. there's teams that go into rebuilds and still manage to compete. And that that's where that to me that's Detroit, Boston, Philly, all three of them. I mean, they really are. It is a credit to them, I think, and should be like should be commended that that Detroit made the playoffs. And yes. No, they're not a Stanley Cup team now, nor should they be. I mean, this is a team that, you know, I mean, there, there's no way. I mean, they, they have rebuilt. The Red Wings have managed all the time to have, like, a the next guy come, right? You know, from Iserman to Datsu to, you know, it's just – and now to Larkin. They always have this – they have the next one in line, and that is the key to keeping this long streak of success going. Yeah, and, where's the succession to Lidstrom, though? Right. Right. And defensively, exactly. that's not there. And yeah, and it's you know you don't you just don't. I mean, there was no one really before Lidstrom like that either. I mean, it's right. really just. I mean, Lidstrom is a, a phenom, right? But I mean, I think that everybody gets on Boston, everybody gets on Philly, everybody gets on Detroit. I mean, they're very they're in very different spots than the Islanders are, in my opinion, because the Islanders are the beginning of teams that have been rebuilding for longer, and have gotten themselves now into a position where they are competitive and can compete. Um, and the Rangers are, you know. Are in that world too, you know. And when you look, and and the Lightning are in that world as well. I mean, the Lightning have hit, faced issues with injuries, but they're in that world too. So I mean, well, I'll, 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 very quickly. But when you look at the whole thing of it, the, I'd rather be the fan of a team that's fighting for the playoffs than a fan of a team that's tanking. You know, just because I think I that, that that's that's my bottom line. You know, well, I don't want to be a fan of a team that's just just hoping that they win a ping pong ball battle. I want to okay. be a fan that hopes like you know gets a chance to have an exciting game in the playoffs. Of the three of those three teams that are rebuilding, I think the one that is the worse off is Boston because you look at Philadelphia, you have all these young guys like Moran and Provorov and Sandheim coming up through the ranks. Yep. And with Detroit, we just mentioned Larkin and 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 uh, Mantha and Athanasio and a few other guys. With Boston, you have some prospects. I mean, the three first round picks tie, but. Really, Don Sweeney's got a lot of work to do this summer. I know in his season-ending press conference, I think he said they were going to go after a defenseman. I mean, I don't know if they're going to spend money in free agency. What are they going to do? 
I mean, it makes sense to spend money free agency if you can, if it makes sense. Uh, I think there's a little bit of there's optimism, but there's also uh, an overwhelming sense of dread, and there's this, this fear that they're going to make a bad signing just to just to get a sexy name. Like Keith Yandel is a guy like that. Like he's a yeah. local guy. Yep. Makes sense. The fans would love it, but that's not what you need. You need a guy that's more more on the lines of like a Jason Demers, Alex Goligoski, even Brian Campbell. You need some some guys that they they're they're a little bit older, but they 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 bring you that solid two way game that you need. You especially need back there. They have a veteran presence, um, but you have this fear that oh, they're going to do something stupid. They're going to get Yandel or they're going to trade Tuka Rask. It's going to be something ridiculous, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you do have the – because, listen, they asked Neely if, if Tuka Rask is an untouchable player, and he wouldn't say yes or no, and he just said – he goes, well, Bergeron's a great player. Bergeron is their only untouchable right now, mm-hmm. which is kind of scary in a lot of ways. I mean, it makes yeah. sense at a certain degree, but then you go, you go, I don't know if any other goalie can play better than Tugarast did behind this <laughs> defense last year. It's very yeah. tough to just find an ace goaltender. I don't know if they understand that or not. Uh, yeah. They've been kind of been spoiled these last few years with Tim Thomas and Tuka. So yeah. there, there is that fear, I, I guess. And You know, I, I look at Detroit's failure in this first round, and I look at it, and I and this is, this is the unpopular opinion. It's a failed opportunity for Boston. Because Boston, even though they were losing games at the end, they were scoring. They were yeah. scoring four to five goals a game. Detroit couldn't score in this game. Right. If, if Boston gets some goals and really puts the pressure on the Johnson line to contribute, the Johnson line finishes with, I think, 10 out of the 12 goals that Tampa Bay scored uh, in the series as a whole. If they score, that series is close. And it's just yeah. Detroit. We talk about this next wave of young players. I love Dylan Larkin. I think he's awesome. Watch, watching him was great. But Gustav Nyquist, this is a guy who's been pretty mediocre at best yeah. in playoff yeah. games. Thomas yeah, sure. Tataro is another one who I think he, sure, they no. had carried the torch in the literal sense that you expect mm-hmm. them to lift you up from the production that you weren't getting from Zetterberg and, and Datsuk. So that's kind of concerning for me if I'm Detroit. Uh, I also think their their defense is oh it's it's rough. It's between DeKaiser. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like DeKaiser, but once yeah. you get beyond that, it's Mike and, Green, Nicholas Cronwall, John Erickson. You know, I mean, this is a little long in the tooth here. Yeah. Well, what's the, what's the succession plan for the Bruins that they trade Tuka Rask? I mean, do you think Malcolm Subban's ready to or to step in or Zane McIntyre? I mean, I, I don't no. I don't get it. There's no way because well, Subban has an injured throat. He right. fractured his uh, I think it was his larynx. He got a puck right in the neck. So there's a development curve there that that he didn't get all the games and they'd like him to. So that's something that Neely touched on too. He thinks that they might have to wait a little bit longer before he's an NHL goaltender because of this injury. Um, Zane McIntyre was he was solid, but he's still a first year in, in the true sense pro, going right from college to the, to the AHL, and that showed at certain points. Um, so no, I mean, there, what would their answer be? Would they trade Tuka Rask for Freddie Anderson? You know, it's just like what, what, like what, what happens there? You know, I mean, do you get a defenseman from Anaheim and, and you know Anderson, and you, you you look at Anderson as a three-year, four-year stopgap? I mean, that's that's a possibility, but. Again, I just I don't think it gets any better than Tugarask. You know, I really I really don't. Unless you're getting Jonathan Quick or Henrik Lundqvist or Carey Price, you know, some of these other guys that obviously you're not gonna. I don't know if that trade makes a whole lot of sense for you. I'm with you on that, and I, I think that. I mean, how much of this? The thing I keep hearing about Boston, and and you know, I've been doing my research on the UFAs and trying to figure out what's you know, and I've been putting all these things together. Um, and I've talked about this before. Is that there is a backlash there? There's a backlash to 
you know, the Chiarelli era. Mm -hmm. And wanting to move players out that were Chiarelli favorites, kind of. Wanting to make that, you know, making, you know, taking that. Do you think that's going on? Oh, absolutely. 100%. They basically spent an entire press conference on Wednesday burying Chiarelli. Being like, we didn't have draft picks, we didn't, we made some cap decisions that were bad, which is not They got finals once and lost once, once and one. Exactly, yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I always say this, like, for as much as Shirley was criticized, and rightly so in a lot of situations, you still won a cup with him. You went to another yeah. one with him. Yeah. I mean, it's very tough to just be like, oh, that guy was the reason why. Whereas Cam Neely, who has been with the team since 2007 now as a vice president and then promoted to president in 2010, he has, he has overseen the departures of Blake Wheeler, Tyler Sagan, Riley Smith, yeah. Uh, Hamilton, uh, Phil Kessel couldn't make it work here. I mean, the list of young guys that didn't work out here for some insane reason and then went some went elsewhere and were fantastic is pretty staggering. <laughs> and your team president, theoretically here, has final say when it comes to these right. trades. And this is something that has been disputed. Uh, the the you know I I've heard that the lines of communication between Shirelli and Neely were not strong. That's one of the reasons why Shirelli was gone. They were it terrible. Was, I mean, I talked to somebody directly about that. <laughs> Yeah, a friend of Chiarelli's, and Chiarelli would never say this himself, but a friend of Chiarelli's who said what went on there was insane. Yeah, and and they, there was an infatuation with getting tougher when the league was getting away from that, which... Yeah, that's really. a great point, Ty. Uh, so it's... I just look at... this. this it's everyone's fault. Yeah, Chiarelli made some bad signings, sure. He paid Gregory Campbell, a fourth-line center, almost $2 million. He, played, yeah. he paid Chris Kelly $3 million. Uh, they had to trade Johnny Boychuk for picks just to get under the cap before the start of the season. And right. that was really the start of it all for the Bruins. That was that was when it was, yeah. okay, now you're in trouble. Because finally, that was when all of your spending and the fact that you had no draft picks that were, that panned out, that's when it came to bite you. Because you had to trade your number two defenseman for peanuts just to get under the cap. And that's what reflected on Shrelly. Everything after that, I think, really reflects on ownership and, and the president and the scouting department more than, more than does the GM. Yeah. Well, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what they do with uh, with Brad Marchand because he's one year away from being a UFA, making four and a half million dollars, and he had his best year uh, goal scoring wise. I think he had thirty thirty seven. So it's like you know you're gonna he's going to be expecting to make six six and a half seven million dollars as he should as he yeah. should. And you know based on what you're just telling us, Ty, about them wanting to maybe potentially move on from Shirelli guys, he's a Shirelli guy. So what are you yeah. going to do? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that that's the guy that they'll they'll keep because they just love. He loves he's it. He's so they, popular. He's such a popular player, obviously. Yeah, and it's it's the other guys. I I think when you talk about Shirley guys, you talk about a Louis Erickson, mm -hmm. uh, who I, I think was great this year. I'd resign him, but if it costs too much money, it makes sense why they wouldn't. I think there is a there is a need to save face though with the Sagan trade because if you don't resign Erickson, he walks for nothing. Your Sagan return is officially Jimmy Hayes and Joe Morrow. Which is right. not, yeah, very, very ugly for a guy who is putting up 90 points every season. So uh, there's definitely a difference there, I, I think, in, in terms of what they do. I think Brett Connolly is a guy that's viewed as a Shirley guy more than a Sweeney guy, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think the home run hitters, like a Marshan, are going to stay. Uh, but I do wonder about David Krejci. So making a lot of money. Uh, he's injury prone. He's a great player performer. But maybe you sell a team on the idea that, that when he's healthy, he's a great contributor, because he is, but, but the problem is, is being healthy. 
Uh, it's a lot of money, though. That's a big problem. Seidenberg is another guy that I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take calls on or maybe even buy out if they can't find a suitor uh, just because I think that they look at at that at him as a player that, that may be you know, closer, way closer to the back nine than a lot of people want to admit. Yeah, I think that's it. And, and Marshawn's such a scary signing, too, because, you know, he reminds me of the players like Marshawn will occasionally have years like this. You know, like they'll have like a crazy almost 40 goal season. Like I was just looking at Rick Tockett's stats because I remember, you know, Tockett, I never thought of it. It's not like a booming, like, you know, more of a power forward type player, a, a, a disturber. But, um, but also had like, you know, 45 goals one year, you know, just, it's just kind of like, and, and that, you know, and then went to Pittsburgh and played with Lemieux for a while and had another huge year. But for the most part, he was like a 25 goal scorer, you know, and he was like, you know, not a 40 goal scorer. And like J Jason Blake comes to mind. Yeah, right. They'll have, Pat Verbeek. He's sort of a Pat Verbeek. You know, right. And, and Marshawn, so Marshawn is, you know, you know, he's, he, he peaked one year early perhaps for him, you know, like it'll be interesting to see what he does this year. If he, if he puts up 40 yeah. again, then. Then I mean, yeah, then you're in trouble. But that's my point, Eck. I mean, I think he. But I don't. I think it's more likely he puts up 25. You know, like, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't. I don't think you should have to depend on him to score 40 goals. I think 25 in this NHL is 40. Yeah, but, it, but, but my, my, I mean, my yeah. point of view was if there is an off season to trade Brad Marchand, which I'm not saying is likely. But it's right now. Him, that's a good point. Mike. Right. You trade him after a 37 goal year. Yeah, that might be his career year, and yeah, he's one year away from being a UFA. This is the this is the same situation that happened with Milan Lucic. You're one year away from UFA. Yes, maybe the difference is they want to keep Marchand, and maybe Lucic was going to test the market, but he's going to expect to make big money. So they're in a position where, okay, do we move him now and get a bevy for him, or do we just wait here and do what we did with Louis Erickson and risk him walking away for nothing in free agency? Yep. I, I think that would be the start of scorched earth. So that would be, yeah, I do. That would be the start of okay. They're tearing it down. I just think I just think they don't want to tear it down because Priest Bergeron's 31 years old. Priest, right, right. You know, it's very tough to to convince these guys. Hey, you're going to be part of a second rebuild in your NHL career. It's just very right. very difficult. And they're not that far off, in my opinion. I mean, there were moments when the Bruins were really were very, very good, right? And they were, and they they did get screwed by a tough schedule down the stretch. We talked about that. There was no question that that schedule affected them because it's harder to play games later in the year. It just is. And you're playing against teams, and you're when you travel that much, that that killed them. Um, but there's, you know, they are not that far off of being able to compete in their division. You know, and their division is not the greatest division in the world for for sure, but. But they're not they that far off. Lucky. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that, and 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 they are, you know, not going to tank. They're not going to be. They're they're not going to. They're not going to tank. There's just that's not in their in their DNA. You know. Um, well, not right now. They're not going to tank. No, they'll never tank. They will never tank. Oh, well, that's bo that's baloney. No, they but, never have. The, they never will. That's the reality of the NHL act for for yeah. a lot of teams. No, I mean, some, there's some teams that. I mean, I. New Jersey uh, refuses to tank. Yeah, there are sites. When, when it would actually, when it would actually help them, it would significantly help them to tank. Right. I mean, they're, they're, it, it's made their fam, some of their fans insane, but they wouldn't tank, you know. They have I mean, Corey Schneider, so it's impossible. For them. I'll, I'll never forget last year at the deadline, they were like five points away yeah. from being yeah. in serious contention to make for McDavid or Eichel, and they refused to tank. They didn't trade their assets. And don't yeah. get me wrong, Pavel Zaka is a good young player. Yes. But he, you know, that you, it's like, and the fans were screaming for it too. It's like, look, you got generational talent here. We're okay with this for the last three weeks of the season, you know? Yeah, and they, they well, they, that's and that's the funny thing, Dan, is because that was Lou. Yeah, was and Chiro took a different approach this year. 
That was that was that was Lou's mo. But Lou goes Lou goes to Toronto, and Brendan Shanahan is already determined we're going to tank. Oh yeah, no, that, gonna... and that, that's because they're very different organizations. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That you know that Toronto has shown the 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 the, the, the desire to do this over several years now. Yeah, where, but they never, they never, they never did it. They never implemented it correctly until now. I mean, they, 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 they always screwed it up, back. They tried. They tried last year for sure, and they tried this year. Um, and that's two years in a row that they did it. You know, um, and then before that, yeah, they they did screw it up when Tavares was available. But that that was when a lot of people thought they could. Okay. It worked out though. That all worked out. It did. So I mean, but in, <laughs> sure well, not, maybe not for Toronto, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the Leafs are so, so glad they have Nazem Kadri over John Tavares. Hey, sure. he says he's just as good as John Tavares. Uh, yeah, no, no, I take him at his word. That's just the, no doubt whatsoever. Boston fans are very different. I mean, it's 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 not, and that whole market is very different. Everybody in that market wins. I mean, everybody they're used to winning there. You know, it's like they are not going to. They're and they're they're tough on this team. But what I'm what I'm saying is they're a little bit needlessly. Tough on them to a degree because I really do think that, in my opinion at least, they have done a pretty good job at rebuilding on the fly. Um, although, you know, the one thing I will say is there is this there is this sort of I don't know disconglomerated whatever um, you want to call it thing of this of the Shirelli hate that is that is definitely weighing in on them, and I think that's affecting them in their in the, in some of their decision making, but. In reality, I mean, if they if they trade to Garask or Marchand, then yeah, then then I'm going to say that that really affected them. <laughs> I don't think that... And I don't want to go down this lengthy road because we'll waste the entire 15, 15 minutes on uh, remaining of the show or whatever on this. But you know, a, a guy like Jimmy Vc, who we've talked about on the show in the past. I mean, the the two teams that are yeah, supposedly be leading contenders are are Boston and Toronto. And when you look at the upward trajectory of Toronto, which means they're they can't go any lower than they were this year, and they're going to start coming up. And Boston with an aging core. I mean, uh, to me, it makes more sense to go with a team that's going to be young and moving up than a team that's starting to fall apart. So that I, I don't know if that's going to be. You definitely argue both sides of that. Well, I mean, real quick, can... when does when can VC become a free? When can he sign? August, what day? August fifteenth. So he'll have a chance to see what the Maple Leafs do at the draft. He'll have right, a chance to see right. if they get Stamkos, and yeah. you know, all of a sudden it's like, hey, look at this. If I go here, I could be in the playoffs real quick. Or, or if they win the draft lottery. But as I as I continue to say, and I this is just my suspicion. VC's drafting, VC's rights are going to be traded by Nashville. Yes, I don't care. I don't care what David Poyle says in public. You know, you've got to get something for a guy instead of letting him walk away for nothing. If you can get a second round pick or get a prospect and a second round pick, you do it. You have to think about your organization, and he's clearly not going to sign with Nashville. So that makes the most sense. I don't disagree that he could be traded, but I, I if he does, if he's not traded, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, because just because like we talk, we've talked about this before, the right. Nashville thing, and the Poyle does things differently than everybody else because he's looking in long term. He's not, he's not going to give VC what he wants, and he's not going to, he's not going to be bullied. And the Bob, you know, and, it's, it's, and so what in this situation he could just, like, could just let him hang out there. Um, they brought, you know, and you could say that's that's detrimental towards Nashville in this one instance, but it might not be detrimental in the long term. There's a whole other level to that, but. But VC has told people that I know and and people that have talked to in Nashville that he's that Boston is his place that that's where he wants to go and that his dad doesn't want him to sign there. Yeah, that's that's, that's a game too. There's that's a, a I mean, I'm just talking about I'm talking about really close friends of his that I know okay. would have no reason to lie or make up things. You know, and I'm talking about now. That doesn't mean he goes up there. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean Toronto doesn't come in and, and take it over. But that really, I would put the odds at one at like you know at two to one for Boston and. Four to one for Toronto. If I was to make odds on this, you know, like that to me is, 
And I think Toronto has a shot at him for sure, but we'll, we'll talk about VC a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot no, I know, I can't wait. I know, that's it. Let's talk about Pavel Datsyuk leaving, though, because I do want to touch on that, just based on that, before we get into the games, and then we're going to really have to get into the games quickly because we don't have a lot of time, but we will slam through these games. Because um, Pavel Datsyuk leaving deserves, we have to, I mean, if he's going, you know, if this is indeed the last time we'll, we'll see him in North America, I mean, we'll, we'll see him at the World Cup of Hockey, <laughs> but we'll see him, you know, in North America. Um, he's such an interesting character, you know, like, he's such an interesting player, um, I don't think there's been a better player in the NHL that that is less understood than Pavel Datsyuk. Like I, I think that there's he's just really is such. I mean he he is in many ways like the Russian Wayne Gretzky, you know, in his talent level. Um, he is as good as they get, and he is and he's a magic maker. I mean he, the guy is completely crazy and has unbelievable skills, and still even to this day still has a certain amount. Like he is he reminds me of Gretzky in his last stage. You know, like he reminds me of Gretzky at the end of his career where he still would make a Past months of you're like whoa, that's just insane type thing. But well, uh, my mem- my the thing that I always think of with Pavel Datsuk is in 2014 at the Olympics when everybody expected Ovechkin or Kovalchuk or Radulov or whoever to be the big star. You know, the guys who were in their prime. It was the the guy in his mid 30s who has had a series of injuries throughout his career and Pavel Datsuk that actually showed up for his country. That actually was the best yeah. player for that yeah. team. Yeah. You know, what I you know, he's he's a great player, he's a great two-way player, he's a no doubt Hall of Famer. It's just weird how somebody, you know, he's respected for his hockey abilities, but there's like there was nothing about him off the ice in terms of like, his personality or anything. He was just very a very private guy and never made a lot of news. And it's just sort of strange because he was a star player, but he wasn't a star personality in the league. And I think he he'll be missed by that. Point. I think he has a lot of Peter. He reminds me a lot of Peter Forsberg. Yes, yes. Yeah, really does. That, that type of player, just a two-way player, unbelievable vision, unbelievable hockey sense, IQ off the chart. And beloved uh, in this country, like the same way. Absolutely. Way. Shut down defensemen, and if you gave him two inches, you, you gave him the diameter of our puck, he'd hit that corner. So it's just like he was one – the guy could dangle in a phone booth. I mean, just seriously, one of the like, – I, I, I actually, like, in his prime, when he was doing – like, I actually – like, he reminded me of Magic Johnson. Like, hit, yeah, like Pavel Datsuk running like an odd man rush, like a three on two, a four on three, a four, anything like that. It was just a joy to watch, and he is absolutely going to be missed. Yeah, right. yeah, he had that four year stretch there from I think it was like oh five to two thousand nine when the Wings were you know the Wings, right? Uh, where he was just the best player in the league. He was just yeah. the he was must watch TV every, and he was the, he was a secret. He was best kept secret in hockey. Yeah. You, you know, it's was. like you knew about this superstar talent. But he was never mentioned in the same breath as Crosby, Ovechkin, uh, even Malkin. I mean, it's it's yeah. funny how that always worked out. But if you look at his numbers and his play for that stretch, he was incredible. Yeah. And it's just awesome. this is how this is who he was. He was just very under the radar. He was his entire career, and I felt that his exit is under the radar. It came with yeah. very little fanfare. You know, <laughs> exactly. it just it happened so suddenly. And if this is the last we see of him, I mean, it's very tough to find the next Pavel Datsyuk. I think I don't know if we're ever going to find that guy because. There was so much going for him. He was, he was five. He's like five foot nine. You know, he's listed at five foot eleven. Yeah, I mean, talked to him. He's so short. He's so he's so pick, Whatever it was, he's just he's the ultimate underdog. And he's it's just razor like concentration. That even when you talk to him, you understand that he's very intelligent. Like he, even if even though you're speaking, even though he pretended sometimes not to speak great English, which I think, <laughs> which I do, I do think he pretended. Like Malkin still pretends. 
Um, but they um, they had that razor intelligence that you're just like, and Kovalev was like that too. I mean, Ko Kovalev was crazy smart. You could tell he was crazy smart when you talked to him, even though you were talking different languages, you know. Um, but he got it through, you know, and that that's, I mean, and, and as a quick aside, you know, <laughs> we talk about the next Datsuk, there is a quick rumor to be reported here that you know Varlamov reported um, wrote in a Russian in a Russian newspaper t or was talked talk to a Russian newspaper today saying that the Avalanche are waiting for Radulov, and he'll be the leader there next year. Well, and so, they have to wait till after they have to wait till after May May first. Uh, right. AHL contract expires, and yeah, I mean that would make sense because I believe Radulov played for Patrick Waugh in the queue. In when the minors, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean that that makes a bunch of sense. Genius, um, right. The thing, thing is with Datsuk, and that, the thing that's going to be interesting, and I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm correct on this. I know that his cap hit is definite, seven point five million for the for yeah. the Flames, but I don't believe that if he goes to the KHL, they're on the hook, or any team that they trade the contract to is on the hook for the actual dollars. Not to pay him, no, but this, yeah, his cap hit will be traded. His cap hit will definitely be traded to like but, a team like Ottawa or somebody like that. Well, that, and that, and that's the thing. It's it, it you know the 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 Red Wings aren't going to be able to give away a fourth round pick to trade seven and a half million dollars of cap space. This is you're talking you're getting the neighborhood of trade trading a first or trading a good prospect to get a. I don't know. Look at Pronger. Look at I mean you got you know for Pronger they had to get get rid of Pronger. You got Gagne who they didn't even really want to keep. And you know for for um Savard they 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 put Savard they threw Savard into that trade with Florida right so. Yeah, so but there's a but there is a different. I mean, the thing is, there's a difference here between because those players were still considered active, and you were still paying actual paying dollars. And right. The, and the cap. What did Tim Thomas get? What's that? Uh, Tim Thomas said the Islanders was insurance. like a like you're paying insurance. You're not actually paying dollars for that. That's it was a conditional true. pick, I well, think. But I mean, but and, and the cap the cap hit was a, for both of them. I think was under under five million bucks. You're talking seven and a half million in cap. It is a bigger cap hit. There's no question yeah. about that. It is definitely going to be a valuable thing. They'll get something for him. They, they will get they will get something for that. I mean, they will. That's for sure. But I think that they'll have to, you know. But yeah, I, I don't. Pronger and Savard aren't being paid money by Arizona or Florida. They're, 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 there's insurance that kicks in with right, guys. Like exactly. Yes. So, um, all right, let's move. Let's go to the games real fast. Anaheim, Nashville. Um, Anaheim had them on the hook, Yak, and now they let him off. No, I think. Yeah, I think Anaheim's got the serious momentum now in this series. It's, I mean, Nashville had him on the hook, and then the last yeah, for the Predators, they really. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised at. I really felt like this was more of Anaheim stepping it up than it was the Predators screwing up. Um, the Anaheim just found another level when they went back to Nashville. I really, and and it it has come down to Pekarenny not being outstanding. Like he's got to be, he's got to be good. And we talked about that's that's how I predicted that this would be the series that he finally showed what he could do in the playoffs, and he has not shown that yet. Um, at times he did in games one and two, but not now. And It'll be interesting to see when they get back. I mean, but but what we've seen in Anaheim's like playoff series is a little microcosm of their whole season, right? Where they started off right. really lame and then they've come on incredibly strong. So yeah. it's uh, I don't know. I mean, but no, the, Rene has to be an A goalie for them to win the series. Yeah. He can't be a B plus. He can't be a B. He can, I don't know if he can be an A minus. He has to be an A goalie, and you just don't see it enough. And when when he's good at when he's good, they're they're fine. But when there's it's it's frustrating too to watch because. Like you said, the Predators, I don't think, have been terrible the last two games. But yeah. this Ducks team is just so weird and so weird to predict. All of a sudden, they, they, they flip a switch, and they found another gear. And their goaltending is good enough, and their defense is outstanding. So, boy, it's, it's just these games are so close. They're just such a coin flip. The issue with the Predators has always been this, that 
they need an incredible goalie because their defense needs to know that he's back there so that they can do what yes. they have to do. Yes, their defense yes. has to rush the puck. Their defense has to be a part of their offense. If their defense is a part of their offense, they're done. And what's happening now is they don't have the ultimate faith in Rene to, to rush. So you're seeing them not getting any offense going. And as a result of that, not trusting Rene. So that's, you know, that's, that's, this is when you would like to have a good backup goalie, is all I could say. And um, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's done. I'm not, not at all. But the thing is, He's under a contract for another three years at seven million per. Yeah, I know. And if he's not, he's and if he's this, is, this is the thing about Rennie. He is going to make you money. That contract doesn't matter. He is going to get you into the playoffs. Like he is, yes. Rennie makes the Predators his contract every year because he gets. But if he's not, but if he's not the difference maker that we're talking about, if he's a above average goaltender, he's making the top or second or third salary of goaltenders in the league, and he's not. He may not be that goaltender anymore. That's why I'm saying that's that's a that's a you know that's a problem for Nashville, especially with their budgetary restraints. It was he was the first of the uh, the seven million dollar club too. He was right. like the, yep. he was the big the first big contract, if I remember correctly. It went, it went Rene Rask and Lundqvist in terms yep. of the seven million dollar club for goaltenders. Yep. So, um, and, yeah, and good, good. It, it's just you need when you're paying a goaltender that much, you need him to be an ace. He's not an ace. Yeah. And, and, and Lundqvist showed that, it, at least last night, that he wasn't an ace. So, you know, apparently there were there was a look of daggers uh, at Elaine Vigneault when he got pulled by uh, pulled when they were yeah. up 4 nothing. I ripped Vigneault in the past for not pulling Luongo um, when he was in Vancouver. And in that during that series, I remember I asked him, I remember, never forget, he had asked him in the press conference, why didn't you not pull Luongo? And he said to me, well, Luongo came over to the bench during a commercial break, and he looked at me like, you pull me, you're dead, you know. And then he went back in, and I and I and I remember talking to Hitchcock after that, because Hitchcock wasn't the coach at the time in the NHL. And I said to him, I'm like, um, what would you do in that situation? And he said, man, I would pull him right there and then if I got that luck. Like he's like, that's crazy. You can't let you can't let a goalie run you like that. So, but the the difference is the Plan B in Vancouver was Corey Schneider. The Plan B in New York was Auntie Ranta. It's game set and match. It doesn't game matter right now though. Lunk was. Yeah, he could play. He could play, not, he could play the best. Yeah, he could play the best he possibly can play, and he can be. He yeah. has to turn in a perfect. Well, but I don't even know if it's possible. The way the Penguins always have the puck. Yeah. The Penguins have completely dominated this series. They've exposed every weakness of the Rangers, uh, underachieving forwards, a slow and old and not mobile defense, and the yeah. Penguins are just exploiting it left if and the right. The Penguins play like they played last night. They will take down the Capitals. I promise. I agree. Yeah, but, this is, I mean, this is a, I mean, you have to give Sullivan and Jim Rutherford a lot of credit, not only for, you know, the additions of of Daly and Haglin by trade, but the young kids that they brought up from Scranton, you know, the bottom Sheary, six, Sheary and yeah. Kunuckle and and uh, and Brian Rust, all providing speed, and you know that that's that's the thing. The, that team is one of the quickest teams in the league. When in the early in the year, we were thinking they were one of the, the they were challenged in terms of their speed. No, they be surprising, right? because Wilkes-Barre Scranton has been really good for a long time, yes, and we were, everybody was always wondering, you know, why are they so good? I mean, the Penguins are, and they're they're always one of the top teams too. I mean, this is a good, and and what like we talked about before, what they brought in more than anything else is these guys don't have the baggage that some of the Penguins have over the last several playoff series. So the new, the, so Crosby and Malkin, these guys aren't playing with that same, oh man, we're going to screw this up type thing behind, around them, um, which they got a lot before that. I mean, this. The Penguins and I was I got into got into a long discussion with Jan today, our Rangers writer, about this. Um, but the the Rangers are not 
playing terribly right now. It, it really this is a they're they are you know they're not as good as they want to be and they are making mistakes. But the bottom line here is the Penguins make you look horrible when they mm -hmm. get a lead on you. Like if you're if you if you fall down two goals or God help you three goals to the Penguins, you you might as well lose seven to nothing because they are going to take advantage of you taking chances better than anybody else. They they are incredible. When you take chances against the Penguins, you will give up. If you give up two on ones, you're done. You know, you give up three on. And so the Penguins, as good as they were the last month of the season, which was was the best I think they'd been since they won the Stanley Cup, they just added Malkin to that team. You know, so now you're looking at this whole thing. So they are really, uh, well, you know, and they're not even playing with Mark Andre Fleury right. Matt so, Murray hasn't broken a sweat in two games. <laughs> we, all, we also talked about this beginning of the year, though, where we we looked at the the Penguins and we said, gee, you know, Malkin. Crosby Kessel, that's great, but what happens when those guys get shut down? Right. And then we looked at it, and now you're seeing, like Mike said, these young guys come up from the from the yep. AHL. This is the complementary pieces that these are the guys you need, and they found they found them. I mean, they found them at the right time too. I mean, half these guys really broke through the second half of the year, if not later. Yeah. So it, that's been great for Pittsburgh, and and this is, I think, this is the most dangerous Pittsburgh has looked in. Almost a decade, you know. When, yeah, when we talk well, about that, 2009. As dangerous as the teams that went to the Stanley Cup, if not more so in some ways, yeah. because they're more they're more mature. I mean, they're they because mm -hmm. the, because the star players are more mature, you know. Like, yeah. and I agree. This is these are the this it, we always talk about complementary parts. This Edmonton has to look at what Pittsburgh's done here. Yes. You know, like this is the kind of, we talk about those parts matter. Like Hag the Haglin trade mattered a lot, yeah. and Haglin wasn't it wasn't hard to get Haglin. You know, it's not like he was a he was an untouchable player. You know, in Anaheim. It's just you know, but no, it was more it was it was more Anaheim wanting to escape the four-year contract they had just signed the the previous year. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. It, 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 but it wasn't a fit. It just the the style of the Ducks and the style of Haglin wasn't a fit. And the style of Haglin with the Penguins, he doesn't need to carry the puck. There's plenty of puck carriers in that team. He just needs to go out, kill penalties, be a complimentary piece. And because of Kessel, because of Malkin, because of Crosby, because of Latang, he's wide open sometimes. Right. Yeah. People don't people don't give Malkin enough credit. You know. Agree. I mean, he is like. I mean, I heard the other day someone talking about how when Malkin got hurt, he he wrote he wrote a, a letter to his to his owner and to his general manager apologizing for getting hurt. Like he said, I'm really I'm really sorry. I hate to let the team down. Like that. You know that kind of thing. This is like the kind of player you're talking about here. There's there's not much. I mean, Malkin is just is just guts. You know. I know Dan, you got to run, but thank you yep. so much. No problem, guys. I'll see you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Um, yeah, I mean, Malkin just—he deserves so much more credit than he gets. And well, and, and I'm not looking past this round, but if you look at it, I mean, if Washington finishes off Philadelphia, yeah. if Pittsburgh finishes off the Rangers, as it looks like they're both teams are going to, you know, if the upsets in the West, you know, if San Jose and St. Louis carry forth, the Stanley Cup final or the 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 battle for the Stanley Cup might be Pittsburgh versus Washington. The, whoever wins that series may be the favorite to win the cup. I don't think that's not giving enough credit to San Jose or St. Louis because I think I think those two teams, both of them, are showing a lot more like maturity than than anyone expected. Um, because and and the Blues, the Blues Blues team, and they're both so both those teams are so deep. Like they're both so deep. I, I agree, but I'm I'm just I'm just saying it's like and they, they they have the like what you have, and they also have the benefit of of having to play, having to go on through going through teams as tough as Chicago and LA. Like there's, and that's a benefit in a lot of ways when you come when it comes to Pittsburgh because there are certain things about. You know, right now both it feels like the Blues and the Sharks are battling the Kings and the Hawks a little bit, but they're battling the demons of yes. that are the Kings and the Hawks a lot. 
Yeah, and and, and, and that's like, and that's who, who pe people who picked the Kings and the Hawks weren't betting as much on the Kings and the Hawks as they right. were the Kings and the Hawks plus the demons. Right, right, and those demons are huge, and you could see them last night in the way that, and you yeah. could you saw it in the third period the other night in San Jose in in the San Jose in the San Jose Kings game where the Sharks just couldn't couldn't get the puck back. I mean, there's a it's a combination of these teams both having so much experience in the playoffs that it's crazy, and both having lost very few playoff series in L.A. and Chicago over the last couple of years. The only one that Chicago lost was to L.A., you know? I mean, it's like, it's kind of, um, it's crazy that they are just that good. But if they get through those demons, like, if I think the sky's the limit for both San Jose and St. Louis if they get through this because the next team, next team they play will not be the Hawks or the Kings, and they'll be able to actually, you know, just be better than a team and not have to just be better than the team and better than that team's aura and everything that that team has around them. So, well, I mean, I mean, Dallas, Dallas has its own challenges. We talked about the goaltending situation, and Sagan, you know, Sagan is sitting out again for Game Five. So, you, know, you have to wonder whether he was brought back too early, and that's going to be a concern for them when they get by Minnesota and going into the next round. If it's just if if he's out or if he's hampered, then, you know, that's a big disadvantage for Dallas going into the next round. I mean, yeah. What are your thoughts on Dallas, Ty? It's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, I, that's what I, I mean. I, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm kind of. I think a lot of people are that way with Dallas. You know, it's like, what is Dallas really? They're they're the best yeah. record in that division. Mm -hmm. But you know, so did Colorado one year. You know, what what is yeah. Dallas really? You know, that's what I don't. I, I'm with you. Yeah, and and I just think that maybe it's because I haven't seen it yet. So it's like I, I, it's you know, you don't buy it until you actually see it. But has Lindy Ruff? Ever been that coach that that gets into that next level? And and I'm not saying that to harp on Lindy Ruff. Yeah. I'm just saying he had some great Buffalo teams yeah. that I remember being second round and third round teams, not Stanley Cup teams. And that's well, what I wonder about with that with him. And I've always had questions about the goaltending. I think Lettinen's been great, but I've I've always since day one I've had questions about having two number one goaltenders. I think it's a, yeah. I don't think it works. Uh, as weird as that sounds, I don't think it works. No, sometimes you have no number one goalies when you have two number one goalies. I've heard that said before. You know, you have like exactly. you really don't have any. No. So I don't know. I mean, if if they take if they dispatch the Wild in five games without Zach Parise, does it really count? Yeah, it really it matter? You know, it's just it's it, they're beating up on a wounded animal right now. Right? Yeah, and that animal is showing signs of life these past two games. Yeah, they're not dominating them anymore. Like that's the thing. Exactly. The first two games they dominated them. Now they're not and. You know, I mean, their next round opponent will be either St. Louis or Chicago, right? So yeah, and, and, and I mean, I, to defend Lindy Ruff quickly, I mean, '99 they got in because they got to the final because of Hasek. You know, in in '06 and '07 they got to the conference final. The '06 they were decimated by injuries, and they probably should have gotten to the final, but much to my glee, they didn't. Um, you know, so I mean, I think he's a fine coach. I think that that team, the reason I'm not high on them is because they're they're all-out offensive team in a time of year when a team cannot play all-out offensive. You know, and, and now they're without, obviously they're without Sagan, who's one of their two big weapons. So they have to rely more on their goaltending and more on their defense, which I don't think are up to the standard of, like, say, St. Louis or Chicago. So if they, yeah. you know, even though they'll have home ice advantage in that series, whoever they play, I think they're the underdog against the, 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 the Hawks or the Blues. And I do wonder about their nastiness, you know, their yeah. ability to, to muck it up with a St. Louis or, a, or an L.A. or an Anaheim or even a San Jose, who I think they're, they're, they're sneaky gritty, you know, in terms of how they play. Sure they are. Um, and, I, I and, do wonder, you know, because at a certain point you need to have that, 
or you're going to get steamrolled. Because Ant- Antoine Roussel is one of the premier rats in the league, so he'll get underneath anybody's skin. Yeah, but beyond that, it's like there's they are a skill team, and there's nothing there's nothing against that, of course. No. But you do wonder in that conference if that is enough to get you to where you need to go. Because, yeah. I mean, as we know, it's a very very physical conference, and it will take its toll on you by the third fourth round. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And Patch, I mean, what's interesting? There's two players, and I was going to write about this the other day. There's two players that both L.A. and Chicago have lost that you know, we've gone on to other teams and played a big role in the playoffs. And these are two players that, you know, like in Justin Williams going to, you know, going to Washington, he was a huge part of their cup winning teams. And Patrick Sharp was a huge part of the cup winning teams in Chicago. Yeah. And he's in Dallas, right? So those are just, you just don't lose those kind of players. And I think part of that is what's, ha- is what's has hindered Chicago and LA yeah. um, in scoring. Cause those guys were big time secondary scorers in the playoffs. You know, both of them, they, they had goals. I mean, they're Patrick Sharp remember winning, a, winning a game in overtime against Tampa, right? Just like, in the in the finals last year, those are the kind of things they just and Justin Williams, you know, legendarily won so many game sevens, right? So this whole thing is playing into it. I do give them. I do think Oduya and Sharp are going are bringing a lot of good experience to the to the to the stars. But I do think also, and I think that Jim Nell is one of the best gems in the league for building what he's built. But at the same time, you know, is is that team really built for? Beating the beating the Blues or the Hawks, I don't I don't know if they are. Like they feel like they would do really well against the Penguins. Like I feel like that would be a really good series back and forth. But I don't think they can. I think them getting through. I can't see them getting through the Hawks and then getting through either Anaheim or L.A. or San Jose. Or I can't see that. You could make the case that Stan Bowman was able to replace Brandon Saad with Panarin, but that he was unable to replace Oduya or Sharp with any of his acquisitions. I mean, they brought in Ladd, and maybe Ladd is a stopgap, but he's a UFA. But they didn't replace Oduya, and they have to have to play Trevor Rand Reams, like all the minutes that they've had to play yeah, him. Yeah, we've seen that. We've seen that a couple. I mean, they, they may have lost the game because of that. So, yeah, that this is that's, let's go to the lottery simulator. But, uh, oh, but before we go, I guess we should talk also about the Flyers game tonight briefly. Um, this is – this is everybody, I mean, everybody's sort of writing this off. Like the Flyers got their one win, and that's that. And, um, you know uh, – I am not so sure. The only reason I'm not so sure, I mean, I I think that if I was to, if you were to hold a gun to my head, that Washington's going to win this game. But I also do think that the that the fact that you know the Flyers' power play finally scored a goal is important. The fact that the that the fact that you know Neuvirth came in and you know given an entire season, I went Mason in there. Given one game, I I kind of want Neuvirth in there. Like Neuvirth has the ability to win a game for you. Um, and he's not, but he, but you know, he'll, he, he wears down, he breaks down. That's why he's not an NHL starter right now. I mean, he, he should be in a lot of ways. He's similar to Bobrovsky in some way, you know, like where he's just has the ability to be incredible, but then will eventually break down. But when he's healthy, you know, and at this point he has beaten the caps. So the caps have that going on where they have to, they know they got to beat this guy. Um, I think tonight's going to be. It, this is the night the Caps have to have a good first period because this Caps team doesn't have for good first periods, right? This is the one they have to have a good first period in. They have to come out and score goals right off the bat. If they do, it could it's all your rope. But yeah, they, they come out like they normally do in the first period, kind of sluggishly, and the Flyers take some of the momentum and get a goal or two. And Neuvirth could be an issue for them as it as it goes on. That's the only chance I see for the Fly the Flyers getting through this one. Any thoughts? They have to crush hope. I agree. If, if you know, if be up to nothing, just run them out of the ring. If, if they do that, then you know, they'll win the game. And if it's nothing, nothing, or even Philadelphia has a lead after one, then you know, you're giving birth to them coming back 
and winning that game. So, yeah, I, I agree. But I think the Caps are going to win. This yeah. is the game where if Philly wins, it's going seven. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think that this reminds me a little bit of 2010. Yeah. With the Bruins and the Fly- the Bruins and the Flyers, the Bruins lost Game Five, and that's when it's un- that's when it when it really unraveled for them. That's yeah. when they just that's when the the doubt started to creep into their head. They said, "Holy crap, this might actually happen." I think Washington's a bit tougher, obviously, than that Bruins team was in terms of their mental sharpness. But I do think that if you lose a Game Five, you start grouping the sticks a little bit tight. Right. You're back in Philly for for a Game Six, must win. I like Philly in that game. Game seven. Who the hell knows what what happens? I mean, that's that's the beauty. That's the beautiful thing about the sport. Yeah. But I do think that it it is something to watch for if you are the Capitals. You need that quick start, like Mike said. You need to just come out and just just straight run through them because you know you can. You have you yeah. have greater skill than they do. It's but if you let them hang around, it's gonna get dangerous. If this is a Caps team that's different than Caps teams of the past, you have to step on the Flyers' yeah. throat and kill them. And they are different. I mean, they have shown that they're yeah. different. But I think that um. I've said this before too, and I talked to somebody about this this morning on the phone. If I'm down three one in a series, I'd rather have Game Five on the road. Because um, yeah. I, I think I honestly think this is this is a situation where you know, I mean, I know that the Flyers came back from three nothing against Boston in with you know with Boston having home ice advantage. Um, the Kings came back with the Sharks having home ice advantage because um, the Sharks that, that Game Seven that the Kings won was in San Jose. Um, but normally, I think that. It's better to be down three-one going on the road for Game Five than it is than it is the other way around. Because like you, because of all the reasons you said, Ty, it really comes down to like the pressure is on the Caps tonight. The Caps, if the Caps get down by two goals tonight, things will get crazy because that there will come this all this. This, this is a, remember this is the Capitals team that's blown more three-one leads than any team in NHL history. This is a team that these fans know what it is to lose three-one leads. I mean, they they lost a three-one lead to the Flyers. Last time these two teams played, um, yeah, and I was at that game seven, and I left that building, and there is nothing like leaving a building of a team and, uh, and walking out, you know, in, into a into a into the train station there in Boston of a of a team's fan base that just blew a three one lead and lost in overtime in game seven. I mean, it was like it was the most depressing thing you'd ever imagine. Um, th- they were really down, but so this is it, I mean, and you know, that's why it is so fascinating. I mean, the three one aspect of this is. Is is going? I mean, the cat and the Caps. The one thing the Caps have shown is they are they are just killing teams. Their goal differential in the second and third periods are crazy, but in the first period they're even for the year. That's nuts. You know, that's like they're plus twenty three in the second and plus thirty six in the third or something like that. But in the first they're like plus two. So it's just it's just that's that's the insane part of it. And in this series, you've seen the same thing where the Caps have not come out strong in the first period. They've been much better in the second and third. So that's the thing. I mean, we'll see. I mean, so between that, I mean, it's a great night of hockey. You got that. We haven't even gotten into um, Florida and, and the Islanders as much as, and that's because that series is not on elimination. So I think we're given that, like, we're the starting of the best of three series. But this weekend, so much will be determined. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. One brief thing about that game Vincent Trocek, who's been out since, I think, mid March with a heel injury, they say is a game time decision. If he doesn't play game five, he may, he may play in game six. So. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a good one too. I mean, it's it's just nothing but nothing but fun. I love the first round. I get, I get sad in the first round. Of the playoff ends. You know, that's the first round to me is just there's so much great stuff going on. Yeah. And by the way, can that uh, announcer just shut up? 
about about the late start time. Did you did you hear about this? Oh, yeah, yeah so, I did hear about this. This is ridiculous. Okay, the game starts at nine forty-five you like Eastern time. That's eight forty-five there. Every rivalry night game they shove down our throats during the regular season. Plus at eight twenty. Did you know? Did you? Right, notice, you're right. You're dead on right. Did you notice that NBC cut away in the middle of that diatribe? Yeah. You know what? Oh, and, yeah, and that's what they should. This is the only way they could get us every game within a relatively fr- viewer-friendly yeah. time frame, so that you can see the most of all these games. So yeah. I don't hate it. If you hate it, listen. Everyone has the choice to make. Like when I was a kid. When I was a kid, young teenager, it was the Cubs and the Red Sox were always in the playoffs, and I wanted to watch all those games. But they were the Fox games, so they didn't start until 8.30 at night. You know, right. so I was watching the NLCS or the ALCS, whatever it was. I was watching it till midnight. My parents let me do that. You know, I mean, yeah, right. and that's that's a decision that I think if you're if you're a sports family like, like we were, it was fine. You make that decision for your kid, or you as the kid make that decision, hey, I'm going to try to stay up for this game. And oh, yeah. it's okay. If you make it, you... You make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. I mean, I I missed Aaron Boone's home run in Game Seven. I fell asleep. It was kind, of, <laughs> kind of awesome, to be honest with you. Um, I was like, I was like eleven or twelve, or I, don't, I forget exactly. But I was awake for a t- I was awake for a tie, believe me. Yeah, exactly. And it, so, 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 it, so, so so was the rest of Western New York when I reacted in pleasure on that home run. Well, you know, but you have that decision to make. I think yeah. as a parent or as a kid, I'm gonna stay up for this game. My parents let me stay up because they knew it was important to me. They knew I liked sports. They knew I liked mm-hmm. hockey and baseball. I mean, I mean, half the fun for me was I, I once stayed up for that four-overtime game or that five-overtime game, whatever it was, with Vancouver and Dallas. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best stories ever, going to school the next yeah. day. Oh, yeah. And you're like, dude, I was up three hours ago watching hockey. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> that's a fun story. So that is, oh, you're, That's dead on. I, so I, have, I, have, I have no problem about I have no, it. I have no problem with the NHL really. doing this. I have no no problem with the NHL doing this schedule because it just means more fraud protection commercials. No, I no, they did away with it. No more. I haven't seen it. I, haven't seen it. I know. I know. It's been replaced with the Pilgrim. Or oh, the because of Pilgrim. Carved turkey like... and Pilgrim. That and that and the one commercial where the actress is walking. I think it was a, the chase car where she's walking through, and then there's a commercial with her on the on the TV screen. It's like, oh my mm-hmm. god. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, what's her name? Yeah. They always mix it up with their commercials. Thanks, NHL. Yeah, I know. No, I'm with you. I mean, it, that that my family is the same. This just this time of year, you're going to be sleepy. That's just the bottom line. When you're a kid, you know, but you were. But having but the memories of watching those stand up and watching those games is incredible. And I don't have any. I mean, there's plenty of time to sleep. You know, you'll you sleep on weekends. You sleep when you can. You just come home from. I used to come home from school and go to take naps. I remember that. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. just just because you could you could you know so you could stay up. I mean, and we you know we all have to stay up and watch this because it's our job. So we. I get it. It's his job, and he's got to stay up later and do it. But you know, that bottom line is, you want as many people watching this as you can. To quote Sam Elliott from that almighty movie classic Roadhouse, "I'll get more sleep when I die." Yeah, yep. yeah. Sleep is for the weak. I always say. It is, you know, and and there's plenty of there's and yeah. You, I mean, I was mad at myself for falling asleep last night. I really was. I was like, I'm in this. I'm watching it. My daughter didn't feel well, so I was in, you know, in her room, you know, with hanging out with her as she was falling asleep. And she just always, and when you, whenever you go to sleep with your kids, you, they, they like, they're like heat warmers, and they just put all this heat out, and you just, it's impossible. My wife and I say, there's no better sleeping pill than just to lie down with your children. Yeah. You, there's no way I'm trying to stay up. I made it through the first overtime. I was so proud of myself. Don't, um, don't worry, you just saved yourself the pain of seeing Patrick Kane score. So don't worry. Uh, no, I'm. Is he in the? Is the first goal and first player in NHL history to have five overtime game-winning goals? 
I, I think really four of them are against the Blues. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty <laughs> insane. I mean, yeah, let's go to the Draft Lottery Simulator. Okay. Let me get out of here. Today, the winner is the Edmonton Oilers. There is much rejoicing. Maybe next year we'll talk at the Board of Governors as to how a team shouldn't be able to win this three times in three years, but not this year. Next up, the Winnipeg Jets, followed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. There you have it. The draft. You know, if this happens, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) I've said it before, but I really will. I just like, you can't reward a team being bad at being a team. You just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, we know that the system is not fixed because if the NHL was going to fix the lottery, they would have fixed it last year so he doesn't go to Edmonton. It's not fixed, but, um, you know, this is, I mean, I'll I'll never forget um, Cap Neo, who you all know, one of the guys from Hockey Buzz. We were at the, we were at the, um, Flyers Penguins. I mean, we were at the Penguins Stanley Cup run when they won, when the Flurry was there, and you know Malkin and Crosby and all this stuff. And we're like, this team's incredible. And and you know Eric turns to me and says, that's what you get for fielding a minor league hockey team for a decade. And it's the truth. It's the truth. You know, you get this. You get a team like you know that has you know that got the opportunity to pick Malkin, Crosby, and 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 Flurry. You know, like three first picks, and now you're looking at another team in Edmonton. And we 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 only be doing the draft lottery simulator five more times before the actual draft lottery. Oh my lottery god, happens. that's crazy! When's the night? So when's the night of the actual thing? April thirtieth to Saturday, April thirtieth. So a week from Wait, one more week of draft lottery simulators. Exactly. Boston Bruins, baby, one percent chance. That Fire would be. Awesome. I would be. That would be. You know, one time, one time <laughs> we did the draft lottery simulator. The Flyers were at one percent chance, and they did win. Yeah. Um. So it's possible. Um. That would be so crazy if you think about it. Um, that would be sickening. Given given what happened at the end of the year there, given the way they lost that thing, it would just be that would be insane. So yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's such a weird thing. It, uh, I, just, I just I really hate the fact that a team can win it more than once every three oh, years. That, that can, just I think it's, no, that, come on, that's got to be changed. It's so stupid. I mean, it's it's just dumb on every level for the market. It's dumb for the NHL. It's like you need to spread these these great talented players. You need them all over the league. You can't just put them. They diminish they diminish themselves. Hall, Nugent Hopkins, um, and I mean, you know, I agree. I agree with have, that. Um, but they've all. They none of them are as valuable as they would be if they were on three different teams. None well, of them. Well, now, now we'll find out because Shirelli's probably going to trade a couple of them this summer. Yeah, but that that at this point they're. The, they, they should have gone to those teams and been been the you know been the Tavares's of those teams and and taken and taken that team off to like the you know. I I don't think that Ryan Nugent Hopkins, if he would have gone someplace else as a first pick, would have been become Tavares or Stamkos. I I just don't think so. Maybe not, he but he would have been better. Some is not greater than the whole of the parts in when you put these players together. There's only yeah. one puck. There's only one. It's it's like you cannot. It's just it's so frustrating. It's stupid. But anyway, that's all I'll say about that. Okay. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Have a great weekend, folks. Enjoy the games. See you on Monday with a lot of answers. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.